Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Buffy has created a better comforter for you and the earth. The outside shell is 100% eucalyptus fiber, a unique material that naturally soothes your skin. While the inside fill is made from 100% recycled plastic, which feels softer than down. Customers agree it's the fluffiest comforter they've tried. And after only one year, Buffy has recycled over 2.5 million water bottles. The thing I love about the Buffy comforter is how lightweight it is. It feels like you're sleeping on a cloud. And the fact that I can sleep on a cloud and recycle at the same time is amazing. Try Buffy at home for 30 days. And if you don't love it, return it. Plus, get $20 off your Buffy comforter when you visit Buffy.co and enter the code CHALLENGED. That's Buffy.co and enter code CHALLENGED with a D for $20 off. Imagine ordering and chatting with doctors all online and getting birth control delivered right to your door every month. Enter Nurex, a company that's here to make getting birth control easier. Nurex means fewer doctor visits, skipping pharmacy lines, and automatic refills you don't have to think about. Plus, it's the most affordable option out there without insurance and could be free with insurance. Go to Nurex, that's N-U-R-X dot com slash challenged for a $20 credit. Do you actually challenge? Do you actually challenge?
guys, it's Kayla and Candace. <laughs> And we are directionally challenged, obviously. <laughs> did I get you? You did. <laughs> <laughs> we really thought we'd have everything figured out by the time we're in our 30s, including knowing our no- own names. But obviously we don't. Obviously we don't. <laughs> or you don't. <laughs> I'm joking. But we do know the name of our very special guest today. We are so excited to have Gail Simmons with us. She, it, You guys definitely know her from Top Chef, 16 seasons. 16 seasons. On Top Chef. And she has an amazing cookbook out as well. Yes, called Bringing It Home. Uh, We are now sampling one of the recipes that she brought us, and they are phenomenal. I'm kind of geeking out because she was here. I I also feel very bad. Uh, we had this Why? whole plan. Well, because you and I were like, okay, we're we're gonna cook something, yeah, and we're gonna ha- we're gonna do like a like a Top Chef thing, and we're gonna like put all these snacks, and then she's gonna like test them all and like <laughs> tell us like what we need to do better. None of that happens. Like, this has been a crazy week. We're running around like chickens, Again. very delicious chickens with their heads cut off. <laughs> like everything in life, you set out with certain goals and you have this great fantasy of what it's going to be like. And then the reality is so much different. Yeah, the reality is I ran to Ralph's down the street and just got whatever hummus was by the cash register. Not even a gourmet market or like a nice. No. <laughs> just just a good old Ralph's hummus. Which Classic. is fine. Which is delicious. And one thing we learned from Gail is that she kind of likes, she doesn't need fancy stuff. She's down for it. She uh, was totally yes, cool with it. She was totally cool. But she showed up with, with brownies. I know. And they're phenomenal. God damn it. They're delicious. You guys check our socials if you want to see the pictures. But they, warning, they will make your mouth water. Yes. Um, Kayla, are you a brownie girl? Are you a dessert maker? I am a hundred percent a dessert maker, but I'm a, I love to cook period. Remember? I know, so yes. I love, I love all kinds of cooking, not just base baking specifically. Cause there are just bakers out there who only like to bake, but I'm a big uh, get in the kitchen and give me a good recipe. And it is therapy for me. I love it. Put music on. I could just do it. I don't care how even really difficult recipes. I I almost see it as um, I'm I'm testing myself. If can I do it? How good is it going to be? And it's so much fun for me. It sounds so weird. I love how naughty you're saying that. Like I get in the kitchen and I just like test myself. Like Mm -hmm. can I do this? Can you tell it turns me on? I (laughs) I have a question for you about food though. Okay. So do you have a favorite recipe growing up? Your mom didn't have to make it, but something that instantly takes you home or reminds you of a specific time in life? So when I was growing up, I ate a lot of meat. My dad hunts. And so I, and we, that's what we would eat throughout the year. Like if he went elk hunting, we would have elk burgers all throughout the year. Wow. Um, he's still, uh, like there, we have a lot of, um, like the, the backstrap cut of deer we eat a lot and they have this like cherry, cherry sauce that they put on it. They're always smoking salmon. My dad's been up to Alaska to get salmon and, and yeah, he, that's the way that he relaxes and he is like a good old Iowa farmer boy. <laughs> and you know, he's obviously, he's a very busy, he's a surgeon and he's very busy all the time. And so how he kind of decompresses is he goes on these really active trips. Mm. And part of that is bringing food home for us. Um, did your mom cook? (laughs) Yes. And my mom loves to cook and she got really into cooking wild game. Once obviously like my dad started to hunt more often. You have a freezer full of elk. You got to figure out what to do with it. And then even my husband, like we have a freezer full of elk here. Mm. So, um, which is kind of funny that it's like, I was growing up in Florida and not many other kids were like, (laughs) they'd come over to eat dinner at our house and it'd always be like, um, Dr. Eckler, what is this? (laughs) And I'd be like, it's an elk burger. And (laughs) 
there was some taxidermy and I'd just be like, that's what we're eating. And you could point to the wall and basically show. I have been to your parents' kind of traumatizing you do not want to walk around in the Aquila's house at nighttime <laughs> let me just say that if you're trying to find the bathroom you may stumble upon some scary creatures in the dark <laughs> it's true um but otherwise my my uh my dad's mom is Norwegian and so something that my mom would always make around the holiday times, it was a lot of uh, uh, Norwegian food that his grandmother taught her how to make. Um, so kumla was one, which is these like potato dumplings that you use like a ham hock to kind of make the broth of. It's a whole thing. Wow. Um, Kringle or Kringla and these like sweet like shortbread kind of cookies in a figure eight. So those usually make me think of like Thanksgiving or time with my family mm. um, or just good old special K bars, which are those like chocolate and peanut butter and special K yep. that uh -huh. I think the recipes on the back of the menu. But what about you? Anytime I think about you and cooking, I immediately think of your macaroni and cheese. <laughs> Not from the box. Not from the box. <laughs> you make legit mac and cheese. It's a good mac and cheese, but I will say everyone has their specific recipe. Like they they swear by their own recipe. Um, but you're right. Growing up, I love to cook, but I don't think I really did, was that experienced in it. So I would, you know, kind of make sure I made one recipe over and over again until it was perfect. And that was my mac and cheese. And I remember one time Candace and I were making a key lime pie for a 4th of July party. And I believe Nina was with us as well. And yeah, she was living, it was in between, it was after the pilot. So she was you guys living, were living with together. Me. And yeah. we decided to make pies for 4th of July and take them over to your then boyfriend's party. And um, Candace, obviously being from Florida, was adamant that we get li the little key limes. Well, look, here's the thing. There's key lime pie and then there's real key lime pie. Key lime pie, it, you want it, it's all about the color. And you have to, ha in order to have real key lime pie, it's actually more of a yellow color. And you want the key Key lime juice. It's and a totally different taste. Listen, I get that. I totally get that. And I am happy that we decided to make the original recipe. But here's what happened, guys. So <laughs> all of us, the three of us, me, Candace, and Nina, are were um, essentially having to... Juicing these juicing key lime these, pies, which are very small. Very small. I mean, it took how long? maybe an hour for all three of us to juice these. They were out of the just key, canned key lime juice or the bottle. So yes, we had to juice the little key limes. And then what happened, Kayla? Nina elbowed it and it fell off the counter and all into the ground and all of our hard work <laughs> went to shit and we had to then go back to the store <laughs> and we were so exasperated by it that we just bought the lime juice you can we buy off the, the fake shelf. lime juice the fake no nobody wasn't the real key lime juice no. but yes yeah and I did not handle it well you which didn't. I don't you didn't and what's funny is growing up like I love obviously I love my mother and um my mom is a great great cook. I didn't really cook a lot growing up because she wouldn't really invite me into the kitchen to help her. And if she did, she'd be like, Oh, why don't, why don't you just go, why don't you just go peel a potato? You know, that was usually my job. Peel Do a potato. you understand yes. what she meant now? Yes. Yeah. And that's how I am. Mm -hmm. Like, I always am like asking everyone to help me out in the kitchen. And then the second anyone steps foot in the kitchen, I'm like, get out. Mm -hmm. Don't touch anything. Don't look at anything. And I swear to God, if you take a bite before I set it on the table in front of everybody else, I'm done. Well, I felt like I had graduated culinary school last week when my mom texted me a question. 
about a recipe <gasps> that because my mom is a phenomenal cook and that's how she shows her love she cooks for everyone I mean we always had extra anyone any of the neighborhood kids could come on over I mean our table our kitchen table is so long for that reason and when she texted me the other day about a recipe I was making um, a little bit ago and she wanted to try it out she was asking me all these questions about it and I just thought wow I've made it I've freaking done it my mom is now asking me questions about cooking I I can die now I'm good I'm good to go that's impressive thank you I have yet to reach that level <laughs> like anytime we've Joe and I have successfully hosted Thanksgiving like I gotta be honest my mom I think is doing most of it like <laughs> I'm like burning something and she fixes it before I even notice that's You're a whole better other than level. that no, I'm good I'm good and what I think is interesting is I was trying to think about it this morning. Do any of our other friends really love cooking? Like female friends? Because Josh, just Josh, you, we've got a buddy that loves, he has a killer Our buddy carbonara. Josh Makuga, shout out Josh, is Italian and loves to cook. So there is, when we go to Josh and Amanda's house, they, he puts a pot of sauce on for all Sunday afternoon and then we'll eat it that night so he's italian and really proud of that but i think other than that it's really just you Kutri's and i killing it with the barbecue yeah that's actually true nick kutri our friend also is just kills it but i kind of feel like you and i hold down like we, we, we like to cook mm -hmm. we, and we genuinely like to cook yeah by the way nick kutri has a uh smoker that he can run from his phone. So for game day, that's fantastic. But yeah, I think you and I are the glue that hold it all together. <laughs> for sure. Yeah, the cooking glue. Yes. Um, whatever that would be. Um, <laughs> what what makes you think about your childhood? That's a really good question. I... <laughs> My mom made so many good recipes. I think for me, what I loved so much was that no matter what, we would always sit down to dinner as a family. And this was before anyone had cell phones or whatever, but we would take the time to be together. And I remember being exasperated as a, you know, 10 year old teen because I didn't want to set the table fully. And that included spoons and everything. And um, now I'm so grateful because I've want to do that same thing when with my kids and when we have kids and I just think it's really important especially in today's world with all the technology to sit down as a family and have dinner granted my disclaimer is I don't have kids yet and so I may feel differently about that after I've done the carpool and done all the drop-offs and everything like that but I just think it's really important no matter what to spend time with each other and my family always did a really good job of that and so I want to try and do that how about you um, yeah, we, we do. We have a lot of sit down meals. Um, I think what gets more difficult for me to balance is the, is the ratio of sitting down for a meal that has been ordered mm. and to cooking the meal and then putting it on the table for everyone to enjoy. Um, and that's what I'm trying to learn how to balance a little bit more because I will get, I cooking is also a stress reliever for me. Mm -hmm. I really enjoy it. But if I've had a stressful day and I'm rushing through the, the grocery store and I'm rushing through the recipe and I'm trying to cook too many things at once and something ends up burnt. And then my three-year-old wants a different remote changer or different channel on the TV. And then I've got, and then, and, and then helping someone with homework or talking schedule. You with my only husband. have two hands. Yes. And then all of a sudden we get to the table and I find myself silent. Like everyone's talking about their day and I'm happy. I just am so burnt out from getting the meal together that I can't enjoy it. And so I'm trying to get better at, um, which we talk about this with Gail a little bit. She has in the great episode. advice for you yeah. about it. Um, but I am trying to get better at 
if being able to enjoy cooking when I enjoy it. And then also when I want to take the time to cook that meal for my family, make sure that I'm taking that time. So then when we are enjoying it together as a family, I'm also enjoying that time with my family because mm. that's really what it is about. And I had the same thing. We had a lot of family meals around the table growing up and it was the time of day where we all talked to each other, yeah. you know, otherwise I'd be like off in my room or kids are busy, you know, they're doing homework or, you know, and even with your spouse and, and your partner, it's or anyone. It's just nice to a roommate. It's nice to be able to sit down and say, Hey, how was your day? And yeah. just talk it out with no other distractions. I think we say this with Gail too. It's, it's really the one thing that we all do together, no matter where we are in the world, we sit down and we enjoy food together. And I think that's so important. And I love our interview with her. I just am so excited. We are actually, you and I are going out of town this weekend with a bunch of friends. We are. And honestly, we're, we're all staying at a cabin. And one of the things that I look forward to throughout for this weekend, every year when it comes, are the meals. Mm -hmm. And that's the first thing decided. It's not like any, the first thing decided is, okay, who wants to take what meal? And every like family comes in to decide whether they're doing a dinner or a breakfast. And it's kind of this nice, like they won't get to take care of everyone for that moment yeah. and also show like, Hey, this is something we love and we want to share it with you. Yeah. And that's, it's the gift of time of taking time to make something to then share it with each other. Yeah. There's nothing better. There's nothing better. Well, maybe this episode. That might be better. That's that. true. <laughs> you guys stay tuned. We have Gail Simmons coming up next. Do you actually challenge? Do you actually challenge? And we are back with Gail Simmons. We are so excited. You're Hi, guys. Today. Hi. Thank you. I'm really happy to be here. <laughs> and you guys, and you brought us brownies. I did. I brought you some brownies. I already, I'm eating one right now. They're Good. phenomenal. Thank you. Can I'm you so explain glad. to our listeners what they are? They're, um... They're a black licorice chocolate brownie, which sounds sort of daunting. The reason I made them, they're actually a play on a recipe from my cookbook, which came out about a year and a half ago. Um, and they're an amalgamation of two of my great loves, black licorice and chocolate. And it turns out they go really well together. They're not super licorice-y. They are sort of made with the accent of licorice, which I think just makes the dark chocolate even more dense and dark and delicious. Um, in my cookbook, I make this recipe as a bunt cake, but I turned them into brownies for an article I did for Food and Wine magazine around a year ago. And I just think they're really, really easy and really yummy. And a lot of people are afraid of black licorice, but this to me is like the gateway to black licorice. Like you will like these brownies and I think they will teach you that black licorice is not scary and is just such a good ingredient. Yeah. If you have not tried this recipe, go out, buy her cookbook, mm -hmm. bringing it home. Now, did you like black licorice as a kid? Is this how you sounded as a child? You're like, listen guys, <laughs> welcome bit. to my house. These are my black licorice brownies. Right. Which is like not a super cool thing for a kid <laughs> to say. Um, Yes. The, the reason that black licorice plays any role in my life is because my father is South African and he grew up when he grew up in South Africa, South Africa obviously was colonized by the Dutch. And so there's a lot of food, sort of Dutch heritage food there and candy, um, Dutch candy, specifically Dutch black licorice is very big and it is salted. The black licorice that he would bring home to me as a child that I loved 
was very salty black licorice. It was very hard and chewy and salty, which sounds very strange. Like not at all the candy that we eat here in America as children, but that was the stuff that I learned to love. And so when I was actually thinking of how to incorporate black licorice into a recipe in my book for my father, because my father also was a huge dark chocolate fan and he gave me both of those passions. Um, I was looking for salted black licorice. It's called Zolt or double Zolt um, licorice. I couldn't find it anywhere, but this was a way for me to sort of incorporate black licorice into a recipe that also gives you the chocolate. And so I have been liking black licorice my whole life. Now, did your dad cook with you in the kitchen growing up? Or? No, my, ta- my father was a terrible cook. <laughs> My mother was an amazing cook. <laughs> okay, so my that's father, where it comes from. Yes, my, fa- my father can, could barely boil water. I say could <laughs> only because he has had to get a little better these days because about five years ago he became a vegan and my mom is not having it. So he has to fend <laughs> for himself. So he has become a bit more competent in the kitchen. But growing up, he literally could barely load the dishwasher. My mother totally spoiled him because she was a great cook, although he did make three things really well. And they were more like projects than cooking. He made pickles every year at the end of the summer. He would get Kirby cucumbers and pickle them all. So we'd have tons of glass mason jars of pickles in my basement. He made applesauce, um, which I always loved and he still makes and I still love. And he would make wine. He made his own wine for a while. He's sort of like a a food nerd. He's an engineer. So these were sort of like science projects for him. Um, Otherwise, he cooked nothing. So then would your mom take the ingredients your dad just made and incorporate them into recipes? Well... Pickles, we would just eat all the time. They were just always in our fridge. Everything, everything. Well, he really just pickled cucumbers, Mm. but they were always in our fridge and they were out on our table every meal. Um, The applesauce, I grew up eating. I loved eating it, especially for breakfast with cream drizzled on top. That's what we would have for breakfast in the morning, which is really decadent and amazing. I don't know why we're all not eating that for breakfast now. Um, And then the wine I never had as a kid. I don't actually (laughs) think it was very good. Um, but was he was the only one that was yes, drinking he it? He would drink it. And it's kind of cool when I think back at how sort of much of a trailblazer my dad was, because now all the like hipsters in Brooklyn where I live are making their own wine and their own pickles. So is making your own wine the new, like making your own craft beer? Totally. Okay. <laughs> I think so. Yeah. We're not up. We're not that cool in LA over no, here. My father's also <laughs> super into craft beer. He's a total wow. nerd that way, but also like a Renaissance. Okay. Man. So he's from South Africa. Yes. Where's your mom from then? Because, and also the things that he was making sounds very like Southern or Midwestern. I know. Don't they? I, I don't know where he came upon those things. My mother is from Montreal. We're Canadian. Cause that's, so you grew up in Toronto. I grew up in Toronto. Yes. My mother moved to Toronto after college, sort of, um, a couple of years after college, my father was transferred to Toronto. He graduated from university in South Africa, moved to England for a couple of years, did um, a business degree there and was working for an engineering company, a nickel mining company, actually, as a, as an engineer, a chemical engineer and was transferred to Toronto. He never sort of had plans to move. It happened because of his job. And that's where he met my mom. And so I grew up in Toronto, Canada. Yeah. How much of all this, these different cultures influenced your love of food? A lot. I think you don't really realize it until you look back. Writing my cookbook actually was an exercise in understanding myself a lot better. It became very therapeutic because when I was writing the menu that became the table of contents in my book, 
you start to see patterns mm. and then you realize, oh, I guess I eat a lot of pickles. <laughs> I guess I love dark chocolate. You know, you, you sort of see all these patterns of how you eat and how you want to eat when you can write a dream menu of a hundred recipes. And there were several that I had to cut out. I actually realized halfway through the process because I was writing all of these recipes that were these old school, like Jewish deli recipes. And my, my cookbook editor was like, Gail, that's a totally different cookbook. Yeah. That is not the cookbook you're writing, but you realize that that's where your penchants are. or That's where, you know, the things that you want to eat and they really do influence you the way that you were raised and this kind of old world stuff that I grew up eating that I didn't realize until I became an adult. So your mom was the good cook. Yes. Do you have a favorite recipe that she cooked you? I always, I'm always curious to like now having kids in the house mm -hmm. whenever they're sick, I always think back to what my mom used to make me yes. and, and then now I'm like trying to figure out my own twist on that. Cause for, my mom used to give me ramen noodles and Gatorade and it's the only thing I like to eat. And it's I mean, arguably healthy. those are both great when you're sick <laughs> for the um, soul. You know, yes. You need, <laughs> you know, you need that salt. Uh, the Gatorade is very hydrating. Yes. Um, but you know, truthfully, not that far off. My mom made amazing chicken soup. Mm. So we did eat a lot of chicken soup and matzo balls, um, brisket. I, I make my mom's brisket, although I have definitely tweaked it over the years and updated it a little bit. Um, my mom was a really great cook in that at the time, sort of in the eighties, she was cooking with really fresh produce. She would go to the farmer's market or go to the markets near our house and source really great, simple ingredients. I remember as a child, all my friends thought it was weird because she cooked with a lot of things like bok choy. Mm -hmm. And that wasn't necessarily something that people were cooking with that much back then. My mom actually ran a small cooking school out of our home and she taught cooking classes and she wrote a column for Canada's biggest newspaper, the Globe and Mail. And so people would send food to our house for her to taste and test all the time. And I remember my greatest day of childhood was when a TV dinner company sent us a cooler of TV dinners because in my life, my mother would never let us eat such a thing because she was a great cook and really took pride in cooking from scratch for us every night. But man, did I love those TV dinners. Like she'll never live that down. <laughs> she mean, tried. She tried. Sometimes you just need some Kraft macaroni yeah, and cheese. There's no question. I still do. <laughs> it, is, it is healing, I will say. Yes. That's and honestly, sure. that's what I remember eating when I was sick. That's yeah. what we all wanted. Mm -hmm. Yeah. From a box. Yeah. So you grew up in Toronto, yes. then you moved to New York yes. in 1999. That's right. And you were basically... Uh, I went to cooking school there. Yes. And this what explains so much, having a mom that also then was teaching others how yes. to cook and was writing about food. What's funny is it never occurred to me that I ended up being just like my mother until <laughs> I was just yeah. like my mother. And her friends would say to me, when I told my mother that I wanted to move to New York and go to cooking school... All of her friends would say, oh, that's so sweet. You're just like your mother. Like, she must be so proud. And I would be furious because when you're 21 or 22 years old and someone tells you that you are inevitably just like your mother, you literally want to cry and yeah. run out of the room and throw things, <laughs> which is pretty much what I did. And now I realize that, of course, she gave me these incredible tools and she taught me so much about food and I'm honored that I was able to follow in her footsteps and, so, footsteps and sort of be the 2.0. Like the world of food now didn't exist that way when she was living and working in it. And there wasn't an internet, there wasn't food television there, you know, she 
bought every single copy of gourmet magazine and she wrote for a food net for a food newspaper, but that was the limit of what food journalism was. And so I, I love that I've sort of taken that and rolled with it. So I, I moved to New York in 99 and I moved there specifically to go to professional culinary school. And I did that for a year thinking I would go back to Canada and become a write a food writer there. And my, you know, work in New York would be done, but then there was New York. I have a question. So when you're in cooking school, what do you then cook for yourself when you get home that night after you've been cooking all day? Um, I remember specifically, first of all, I was 22. I was living basically in one of my best friend's closets in New York <laughs> City because I wasn't making any money. And he let me live there with him in this tiny bedroom and pay him almost nothing. And I was going to be there for eight months and I stayed almost two years in that tiny closet. <laughs> And I would eat, you know, you eat so much at cooking school during the day that I would come home and just make a head of broccoli for dinner. Wow. Also because I didn't want to spend money. It wasn't yeah. like I was able to go out and enjoy the restaurants of New York City yet. That sort of came later. It's also very healthy. It, well, <laughs> except that what I was eating during the day, <laughs> yeah. these rich like eight course meals that we would cook with, you know, tons of cream sauces negated Got the it. broccoli. Got so it. you needed to get it in somewhere. <laughs> and you can do a lot with a head of broccoli. That's true. You can roast it. Yep. You that's can, all I know what to do with you it, can, but you can do the a best lot. way to eat it. Yes. That's the best way to eat it. Um, what's funny too, is that that's sort of how I eat now in a way I eat out so much for my work. And when I'm on the, you know, when I'm on top chef or when I'm working in so many things that I do, I spend so much time out in restaurants and traveling and eating so much rich food that everyone always asks me when you come home now with your kids, what do you eat for dinner? And the answer is sort of the same. Like I just want to come home and eat a head of broccoli <laughs> because I get so much rich food throughout the rest of my week. That, yeah, that's such a great, we wanted to ask you about what you cook for your kids yeah. now that you're a mom. Yes. And how do you, where do you find, do you find it at the end of the day exhausting to then cook or are you inspired by it or does it, is everybody different? Yeah. I definitely cook differently. I cook more, which I love because, you know, I spent the early part of my career in the kitchen, deep in the kitchen. And then life took me out of the kitchen in a lot of different ways. And now having a family is a great excuse to be back in the kitchen, but just cooking for the people you like which is really, I like the most days I should qualify. Um, so I get to cook. I love watching them eat too and discover new things. That's really fun. Although as I'm sure you can attest, some days they don't want to eat anything you make and they just want to throw it at the wall and tell you that you're a terrible person. Yeah. So it changes. My daughter's generally a great eater and I love cooking for her. Some days I'm exhausted and I get home late and it's not like I, you know, I'm not going to portray this, unrealistic view that I am coming home and cooking tons every single night. Cause that's not happening. It's not realistic. We all work really hard and that's so nice to hear. Yeah, forget <laughs> it. It's forget about it. Have I'm you really bought that's your a answer. frozen TV dinner? Yes. Honestly, I, I still would take it. Literally every time I go to the grocery store with our three-year-old, she's like, mommy, we have to get frozen pizza. Like she only right, knows the, the pizza is frozen pizza. And I'm like, yes, baby, just say it a little bit lower. Right. Whole Foods and people are looking. Put, put it under yeah. You mean the, the kale cauliflower pizza? <laughs> Absolutely, dear child. Exactly. Okay, so um, back in New York, because yes. I do want to ask yeah. about like your journey as a like young food critic. Because sure. you, were, you were a chef at the time and working as a food critic? Well, or am I, mixing I, it up? I, graduated, I graduated from culinary school and... My dream was to be a food writer. So you have to do an apprenticeship to the culinary school I went to. You had to go out into the field and do like an internship essentially to finish the program. And I thought, well, I would just do that internship at 
gourmet magazine, for example, and go right into working at a food magazine and my dreams would be realized and that would be great. But what I didn't realize is that when you graduate culinary school, you're not a chef yet. Lots of people think that you can go to culinary school and then just, you know, you're a chef or you're a food critic and you know everything there is to know. And then you can just shoot right to the top of the masthead, so to speak. I would definitely think that. Every, everyone yeah. thinks that. Uh, I've kind of helped propagate that because our show shows, you know, chefs who are at the top of their game. But what people don't see is that they've worked for, you know, 10 to 20 years to get to where they are. And that's certainly the same in any industry. It's like graduating medical school. You're not doing open heart surgery on your first day out. At least if you are. You, we hope not. I feel really yeah. bad for the, exactly, yeah. for the patient. <laughs> So at my culinary school, they convinced me that instead of just going right to a magazine, I should really spend some time in the kitchen. Because if I was really serious about writing about food, I needed to speak the language of the kitchen and I needed to get some hard practice, like some actual practical knowledge, as opposed to just the theoretical knowledge you get at school, where you've done everything once, as opposed to actually kind of solidifying those skills. Mm. So I went to kitchens and I cooked for a while and I ended up cooking in two really big, amazing kitchens in New York. I got my ass kicked every single day. Um, they were very hard places to work. And I was the only woman in both kitchens. Um, that has changed somewhat in the last 20 years um, in this country, thankfully, but we're still not entirely there yet. It is certainly a male dominated place. Yeah. Um, and they were, they were tough lessons the time that I spent in the kitchen, but I'm so grateful now because I truly did get the experience that enabled me to earn the trust of the people that I worked for afterwards, especially all the chefs. And I think it informed so much of what I know. So I spent time in kitchens, still knowing that I wanted to be a writer. That was the end goal. So after a while working in kitchens and I finally felt like I had some skill and understood what the what the world of restaurant life was like, I went back to my culinary school and said, okay, now I'm ready to find something that uses my brain as opposed to just my hands. Cause the one thing I think people don't realize is when you're in the lowest rungs of a kitchen, you're not creating masterpieces. You are executing like manual labor mm -hmm. for the chef. Mm -hmm. There is one chef in every kitchen and it's their vision and it's their menu and everyone else, the sous chefs down to the line cooks, down to the, um, you know, the prep cooks are executing that work. And it is hard physical labor. And I loved it, but I needed to use my brain. I wanted to write. So I had fallen in love with a book that I had read called The Man Who Ate Everything by the food critic at Vogue magazine, Jeffrey Steingarten. And I had never really read Vogue magazine. I didn't know a thing about fashion, but I read this book and it was exactly what I wanted to do. Not be him because he is the most amazing writer and there's only one of him, but to be his assistant. Mm -hmm. His assistant sort of did everything. She was cooking. She was doing research. She was running around to all the markets in New York City. She was spending time with all of these amazing chefs, copying down their recipes and following them around to get you know, information and research for his next column. And turned out he was looking for an assistant. And it was just serendipity. It was this amazing New York moment, which was the reason I did never move home mm -hmm. because I got the job as his assistant and I spent the next two years working for him. And that's really where I learned. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. 
Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. It's time to get more in 2024. I know for me, one of my goals is to feel really strong this year. And honestly, so far, so good. Because that's where 310 Nutrition comes in. It's helping me and our listeners in the new year with protein and super rich food products with so many options and flavors. Right now, I have the chocolate bliss and caramel sundae, and they are both so (laughs) delicious. I have to hide them from my husband so that he doesn't steal them too. They're a triplex protein blend, plant-based proteins that include pea, brown rice, and pumpkin that leave me feeling full. 310 Nutrition also has a hydrate electrolyte drink mix. My favorite is the peach mango flavor. So not only am I hydrating and drinking water, I have an electrolyte blend, vitamin blend, and it's sugar-free. With one stick of hydrate mix into 16 ounces of water, and it can provide the same amount of hydration equal to drinking two to three bottles of water. Thank you. This way I can keep my resolution, keep feeling strong, have greater focus, feel refreshed, and maintain my hydration without having to drink as much. One of my favorite refreshing water enhancers they have is the lemonade flavor. It gives me energy. This one's also sugar-free. It's used with real lemons and it's pH balanced. And this also offers the same hydration as two to three bottles of water. Right now, 310 is celebrating a new year of goals with code CHALLENGED and giving our listeners 50% off up to $100 for your first order. With so many sample packs, new products, it's really fun and easy to put together an order or start a subscription on products that you know you'll use and will help you keep your resolution. So go to 310nutrition.com and use the code CHALLENGED right now for 50% up to $100 for your first order. That's 310-nutrition.com and use code CHALLENGED. It's all the good stuff your body needs in flavors you crave. So be healthier effortlessly about food writing. He taught me um, the kind of food writing that you don't see that much anymore, long form, in-depth research, recipe testing. Um, And that was an amazing time in New York because 
the magazine industry was in a different place. Yeah. He was working at Vogue and he had this amazing budget. He would fly to Thailand for a month to learn about Thai curry. He would fly to Paris to find out about all the new young chefs and bistros. He would spend a month making cacovin from like real original recipes. You know, he was totally eccentric and awesome and it was a great education. So and it was that's beyond just going to a restaurant. Yes. And yeah. He was not a restaurant reviewer, gotcha. nor have Different I technically thing. ever been. I have definitely written restaurant reviews over the course of my career, but I definitely want to like make the distinction that I don't review restaurants. I'm a food critic because I write about food and critique food. And certainly on Top Chef, I play that role. I kind of joke that I'm not really a food critic. I just play one on television. <laughs> um much like the vampires, you know, yeah. I play a food critic. They're not that different. Um, actually, they also suck blood. Yeah. But, um, but I, you know, I, I never reviewed restaurants. I was never that, you know, the Julia Roberts character in My Best Friend's Wedding. I mean, we might have mentioned that before you walked in. Oh, that's percent. I mean, that makes it look real glamorous. And it there are does. lots of people who do those jobs and they are excellent at it, but I've never been fully one of them. I write about food, but I'd like to think I'm more of like an industry cheerleader. If yeah. I don't like it, I just leave it out. We have to take a quick break, but we'll be right back. The original True Body Bra by TrueAndCo.com is the bra women are talking about. Over half a million women have bought it and swear by it. You won't believe how good the True Body Bra looks when you put it on. The buttery soft fabric smooths you out in all the right places. And it has no wires, so it's super comfortable. But unlike other wire-free bras, the original True Body Bra is made with proprietary fabric that still gives you the support you need. It took over six years of collecting data from 7 million women to make this game-changing bra. So it's no surprise that TrueAndCo.com has sold over half a million of the original True Body Bras. It just goes to show that great things happen when women come together. The Today Show calls it game-changing, and Good Housekeeping says it's the ultimate lounge bra. It's been so hard for me to find a good bra that I can wear under a white t-shirt that doesn't, like, pinch me in the back and give me any sort of, like, back rolls or, like, flatten me out in the front. It doesn't, like, totally get rid of my figure. And the True Body Bra does all of that. It is truly is like smooth butter under a white t-shirt guys try the original true body bra from true and code today with free and easy returns and save 15 percent now when you go to trueandcode.com slash challenged and enter the code challenged with a d that's t-r-u-e-a-n-d-c-o.com slash challenged support for today's show comes from bare minerals creators of clean beauty Purity in formulation and uncompromising performance have always been the guiding principles of Bare Minerals. Because they believe that makeup and skincare should make your skin better, not just better looking. This has been the Bare Minerals philosophy since they began the clean beauty revolution in 1995 with their best-selling original foundation, which offers creamy, lightweight, buildable coverage that's naturally luminous. The clean formula is made with only five good-for-skin ingredients, all minerals, including non-chemical SPF protection. Makeup so pure, you can sleep in it. And it actually improves your skin over time. It's everything your skin needs and nothing it doesn't. For Bare Minerals, to be clean without compromise means good-for-skin formulas with proven performance. Like every Bare Minerals product, it's 100% cruelty-free. Better yet, both the original and matte loose powder foundations are available in 30 shades. Upgrade to clean beauty products. Use the foundation finder at bareminerals.com to find your perfect match. First-time customers will get 15% off when you use the promo code CHALLENGED. 
That's bareminerals.com, promo code CHALLENGED with the D for 15% off your first purchase. Bare Minerals, the power of good. Dreaming of a beach vacation? Start planning your escape to Panama City Beach, Florida. Imagine spending your days doing the things you love, all in a setting of sugar white beaches and turquoise waters. Discover endless family fun, heart-pounding thrills, eco-adventure, and romance. Make it memorable. Get up close to dolphins in their natural habitat on a boat tour. Give paddleboarding a try. Or just lounge under an umbrella. There's so much fun, it'll make your family's head spin. Make it exhilarating. Find your thrills flying on a jet ski, kayaking at sunset, or snorkeling in turquoise waters. It's everything an adrenaline junkie lives for. Make it incredible. Bike along the beach, take an airboat tour, or explore the secluded beauty of two state parks. PCB offers one eco-adventure after another. Make it special with a romantic getaway. Relax and reconnect with dining on the beach, breathtaking sunsets, and enough live music to dance the night away. So make it yours. Make it Panama City Beach, your real fun beach. Plan your escape now at visitpanamacitybeach.com. And we're back. I'm assuming you've seen the movie Psalm. It's a yes, bit on of course, the of documentary. Course, of course, yeah. And, yeah, and I always love introducing those stressful. that haven't. <laughs> what is Psalm? Kayla, let me tell you. It's um, it's called uh, spelled S O M M, and it's this. It's a group of people Somalia. in their journey mm-hmm. to become a Somali. Exactly, a master, master Somali, which is a very, very specific exam process. Mm. It is a crazy documentary. I definitely recommend it. But I love the way that they, that they describe the wine in it. Like one guy keeps being like, mm, "I'm tasting tennis balls." Like yes. it's very Stop yes, it. it's great. Um, and but, it's not a joke. It's but when for, you're, real. for real. He's tasting tennis balls for real. But do you feel like? When you're tasting, I feel like whenever I eat food, I know when I like something and when I mm-hmm. don't like something, but I haven't been able to figure out the specifics of why. And I know everyone always says it can come down so easily to like salt and pepper even sometimes. Sure. And that's usually the common mm-hmm. thing. Like, was that something you learned over time or do you I feel like so. you were just born with a no. palate? People like to claim sometimes that they're like super tasters, that they were born with a palate that <laughs> could detect anything. That could be true, but I really believe that understanding flavor and knowing flavor, it's just practice. I eat a lot and it's just learning to taste and kind of pay attention to things. And most of us, because we don't have time and we do 50 things in a day, don't pay attention to what we eat that much because it's just another thing you have to get into your mouth three times a day for fuel. Um, But when you start really paying attention to what things taste like, their texture, their combination, the process of cooking that makes one thing one way and one thing another, um, and sort of understand the process of cooking, the science of cooking. I think it's something that anyone can learn. Wine is a different beast. Wine I struggle with too. And I've taken wine courses and I, and I drink a lot (laughs) and I have a lot of friends in the wine. Yes. Fully R and D. Um, I have a lot of friends in the wine industry who I've, you know, who have taught me. I've drank a lot of great wine and I can tell you the basics and I understand the general idea of tasting wine, but that to me is such a gift. I mean, that takes such laser focus and years of training, Yeah, years of training. So then is that something you're born with a wine palate or? No, I, again, I think some people are probably predisposed to be better at it than others. But again, I think it's all, if you set your mind to it, I'm not saying everybody can be Michael Jordan, you know, not everyone can be a pro athlete, but I think if anyone wants to be great at something, it's just really like the 10,000 hours spent doing it. 
And I probably spent more than that stuffing my cake hole. <laughs> and where have you stuffed your cake hole where you enjoyed it the most? That came out real weird, but I was just saying, in all your <laughs> I totally travels. Got it. I totally got it. <laughs> oh my God, There's it's an endless question. You know, I love to travel. I love that my job has allowed me to travel and I really experience everywhere I go through food, through the chefs and the markets. And I think, I think that food tells you so much about a place and about a culture and a community. It sounds sort of, you know, I don't know, trite, but, but I really think it's true. And I studied anthropology in college and people used to laugh about like, oh, that was a useless degree. Like way to go, Gail. What what was the purpose of that? But really that's what food is. I think it's the study of culture and, um, you know, why some cultures use chopsticks and others use a fork and knife or, you know, why one ingredient can be used in 10,000 different ways, depending on where in the world you are, whether it's rice or corn or, you know, it tells you so much about the history and geography. Black licorice. Black licorice, <laughs> all of these things, rice, corn, and black licorice. Yeah. <laughs> so um, I love eating everywhere. I mean, my favorite cities to eat in, I don't know, domestically. Like, what about the last year? In the last okay. year. Well, the last year I had a baby and I stayed home a lot. What was your pregnancy craving then? Um, I love, I mean, I had really spicy food cravings this pregnancy and also candy, hmm. which is not fancy. I mean, I just wanted like sour keys and did sour you salt, patch cakes. Did you salt all your candy? I could, <laughs> yes, I wanted salty, sour <laughs> candy. Um, but, but there's so many places I, you know, where I have been lucky enough to travel. I just got back from a trip to Israel, actually, um, a country I hadn't been to in 24 years. And when I was there so long ago, um, it was a very different place food wise. I just went back with a delegation of chefs actually. And we spent a week eating, uh, in Jerusalem, Tel Aviv and in Akko, which is in the North of Israel. And that was totally eye opening because the food of Israel is really an amalgamation of cultures. Obviously it's a lot of Palestinian food, a lot of Arab food, a lot of Eastern European food, a lot, you know, it's an immigrant country. Mm -hmm. So the food is so beautiful and it incorporates so many incredible spices and herbs and ingredients that you can only get in that part of the world. I mean, the Middle East is just the most delicious food in the world. So um, now I only want to eat Middle Eastern food. <laughs> do you get into like now, do you feel like you have to try to cook it at home? Yes. Is that your... But not because I have to, because I want, want to. to. Like you I came to. home and I wanted to put za'atar and sumac on everything. And all I want to do is dip things in tahini and cook with that stuff because I was so inspired by it. I was also really inspired just by the fresh fruits and vegetables, the citrus. I mean, not like, not unlike California, you know, it's a very dry part of the world. So the citrus were incredible. That blew me away. Preserve. I just want to preserve lemons and eat preserved lemons on everything. Like it was really fun to be so inspired and want to come home and cook some more. It's so fun to watch you talk about food. I mean, you have such <laughs> sort of a love nerd. affair with it. I do. do you think travel and going to all these different places helps you grow that love no affair? No question. I mean, everywhere you go, again, you learn so much about a place through the food that the people eat there. Um, you know, our best meals on this trip were in people's homes or mm. on farms or through markets. And, um, you know, you just open your eyes. I, I think it teaches you so much about politics, especially in a place like Israel. I mean, that's an extreme because obviously everything is political mm -hmm. there. Um, but it teaches you empathy um, and it teaches you all the different sides of a story. You know, going to a place like New Orleans, which is another city that I find really inspiring because it's a gritty place. Mm -hmm. It is not an easy place to live. 
It is a place that has been fraught with so many complicated moments in its history, um, whether that's political, socioeconomic, natural disasters, all of it. It's a swamp and it's such an interesting part of this country. And I think the history of New Orleans and Louisiana is so different than the history of the rest of America, for example. Mm -hmm. And being Canadian, this is all new history to me. I didn't learn all of this in um, school. So eating in New Orleans, I think, is the most exciting possible thing to do because you learn about all of these political, historic, socioeconomic moments through the food. Like the po' boy has a story, Mm -hmm. you know, the, the, the gumbo has a story and they're so unique. And if you think about it, it's the one thing we all do, no matter where we live, no matter what culture, no matter what our belief is, we sit down and we share food with each other. And you know, what's funny about that? It's such a good point. People love to tell me that they're not foodies. You know, when people find out what I do, sometimes it freaks them out and they're like, oh, I'm not into food. I'm not a foodie. Like, I don't, I don't really care about food. And I'll be like, well, that's such a lie because you're a human. Mm-hmm. And that just because you don't like a lot of different foods or you might be a picky eater, you still have an opinion. Mm-hmm. You eat three times a day. Mm-hmm. And every time you do, you're making choices for yourself about food. And you have an opinion. You have likes and dislikes. They don't need to be fancy. They don't need to be you know, based on, I don't know, four-star restaurants. I don't care about that. That's not how I want to eat either. I just love discovering new things. And if you don't, that's a choice too. And you still have opinions about food. And those are the things that I think unite us. For yeah, sure. Having no opinion is just as much yes. as an opinion. Yes. If you or eat the I same only thing every day. X, then that's fascinating to me too. Mm-hmm. Do you I have, love picky eaters. Do you I eat- like bothering them. And sorry. I'm, totally <laughs> no, I'm the same way. Yeah. I'm the same way. That was my parents raised me that if I wanted to travel with them, I had to take a bite of every at of everything at every meal. And if I didn't like it, that was fine. Mm-hmm. I couldn't spit it out. And if I didn't like it, I just say, no, thank you. But that's how I learned that I loved so many things. Right. I, I love your parents. That's so smart. Yeah, I agree. I try to do the same. And I tried to implement that rule with our teenage, um, our teenagers when we went on a big trip and they were eating baby eels. And I was like, well, this is, we're going to eat these little baby eels and we're going to take one bite. It was a very long hour of discussing the baby eels, but it, but a lesson that they will probably, you know, take with them. And we we have a a scarring traumatic lesson. We actually have a picture of like, all of us really upset and like I think tears were in her eyes because we were talking about these baby eels for so much and they're little t- they look like black I've noodles. seen them I just totally so yes know what I'm mean. like just so people aren't picturing like giant yes moray right. eels yes exactly <laughs> um but so when you are at home I know we kind of touched mm-hmm. on it and you are with your family and I think so many how do you stop and slow down you have a very busy schedule if you find that you are rushing through the day, what are your reminders to stop and slow down and enjoy the meal? Is it usually the cooking process or is it something quick and easy that will just bring you instant comfort? Um, a little bit of both. There's nothing that makes you focus on the present than a child who needs your attention at all times. And I think that's really valuable that becoming a parent to me was a huge lesson. Um, and it took time to be okay with it, to sit with it and understand that I have to just put everything else aside and nothing else matters than just putting all my attention into what this child needs right now. And, um, that's why I think I get so much pleasure out of feeding them because it's such a, you know, it's such an instinct of mine to do. Um, I love when I have time to do bigger cooking projects, but truthfully day to day, my 
time with my children. I'm not always there at night. I try to be there, you know, four or five nights a week, but my life takes me out in the evenings um, for work often. So breakfast is a really important time for our family. Mm -hmm. I am there every morning and I take my children to school or my my daughter to school. My son is too little to do much. Mm-hmm. Um, but breakfast is really important to us. So we like to make elaborate breakfasts and cook them together, um, which I think is a really great time to unwind and be together, especially on the weekends when you can really spend all morning hanging out in the kitchen and cooking together. Now that my daughter is at an age where she likes the process, I think it's so valuable to have her helping out in the kitchen too Mm -hmm. and taking a bit of ownership of the food that we make because that I really believe will help her want to eat more and appreciate food more. Um, And then for survival so that I can actually sit down at the table and take that moment to enjoy meals with my family. During the week, we do a lot of big batch cooking and that really helps me. Sundays, Mondays, cooking lots of roasted vegetables, lots of grains or pasta or whatever it is that can keep in the fridge so that at night I can come home, do one or two things and make dinner really, really quickly so that then we can sit down together and we're not stressed out about getting the kids to bed and still having not eaten. And then it's 10 o'clock at night and we haven't actually even spoken to each other because I also try to spend some time with my husband once in a while, (laughs) which we both appreciate, but doesn't happen as much as we want. So all of those things are factors. And I, so that's also why I don't want to spend a ton of time just cooking at the end of my day. So if I can be efficient about it and do all the cooking in two days and then have time to just be with my family and eat together. I think that's really that's important so smart. And that can be that selfless time. Like you've put in the time, here's yep. some great meals, but this is like the time for everyone else. Yes. And the table's important. We really try to implement, uh, you know, no devices at the table mm-hmm. for us too. I mean, it's even more important for us. My daughter is, we can tell her She's what to do. She's not on the cell phone so all far. Day long. Yeah. <laughs> she would be though. Easily. Wheeling and dealing. Yeah. You see it by example and they really do, um, pick up what you do more than what you say. So, you know, trying to really lead by example there and put everything away and turn everything off. It is a challenge, especially during the week when you feel like your day is two seconds long and you still have 50 things that you wish you had accomplished. So really trying to focus that time, I think is really becoming more and more important. One of the, my most favorite things that I own is a cookbook my mom gave me that she mm. hand wrote every single one of her recipes. And it's something at the time when she gave it to me, I think I was, you know, a teenager and I thought, oh, cool. You know, and as I grow older and older, I just appreciate it so much more. That's amazing. And it's one of those things where when I need to be comforted and we don't have a family yet. So I will make one of my mom's recipes and my husband and I will sit down and we'll sit and enjoy that. And it just takes me right back yes. to that. And I think when we we have our own family. I definitely want to, I'm inspired preserve by you. I want to, oh, absolutely preserve the book mm-hmm. and make those and share it with my mm-hmm. kids and just can continue to pass along those recipes and the time that you spend together, I think is the most important. It is. What I love about food is exactly what you just said. There's this idea of taste memory that I think is so, mm-hmm. so powerful. All of us have those, those um, associations, right? A food that you taste that takes you right back to a place yeah. in your life or a memory that you might not even realize you had until you taste it. And that's what I think is such a connector about food, that everybody has those memories. Food is so central to how we celebrate in our culture. Mm-hmm. Um, every milestone, every birthday, every yeah. marriage or wedding or divorce, whatever it is, um, for good, bad, and ugly, we have food, you know, especially um, in my family anyway. So, 
I think that all preserving all those recipes and appreciating them is so important and passing them down. It's like oral history. Yeah. You know, absolutely. It's very powerful. Okay. I have another question I really want to ask you. Yes. So when people have you over for dinner, oh, are yeah. they, can you tell they're nervous to have you? Because I know I would absolutely be so nervous to have um, you over. The first time, depending on who they are. Yes. It's really funny. When I was little, my mom was a really great cook. And so she had this cooking school and she was sort of known in the neighborhood as the good cook mom. When everyone else was making their kids mac and cheese from a box and hot dogs for lunch. When I was little, no one invited me over for lunch. Um, and that made me really sad because I wanted to go to my friend's houses. And also all I wanted was mac and cheese, right? Like that's all you want. And we didn't get it at my house. So I realized only later that it was because the, the parents of my friends thought that I was like a fancy eater when I was seven and that they couldn't just make me what their kids were eating for lunch, which is so ridiculous. And now I've sort of become this self-fulfilling prophecy where now people are still afraid to have me over for dinner because they think that I want fancy food when really like I couldn't care less. I am so off duty when I'm not working that if someone wants to spend the time to have me for dinner, I don't care if we're eating pizza out of a box. I, I, you know, I will slurp a bowl of spaghetti and, you know, to make canned tomato sauce. I'm actually the least picky eater wow. I know. Um, that doesn't mean that I want bad food. Mm. I definitely can tell bad food from good food, but I don't want fancy food at all. Like I would so much prefer if someone wants to take the time to cook, like I'm so appreciative of that than the specifics of what it is. Mm -hmm. um, some people are nervous having me over. My friends now, I mean, they couldn't care less. Yeah. <laughs> and, and most of the time, I mean, I have a lot of friends who are really great cooks. The best part about going to someone's house for dinner is just cooking together, right? Mm -hmm. So I'm also always happy, sometimes probably problematically so, to just get in their kitchen and cook with them. And maybe sometimes I take over when I maybe shouldn't so much, but, um, but I wanna just cook together, be together. Like, I don't even care what we're cooking. I like a fridge forage. You know, I like just going into people's fridges and cooking things with them and kind of saying, well, you don't have much, but you have this and this and this, and we're going to make like a really simple, delicious meal. Well, anytime you are back in LA yeah, and you're I'll in the fridge valley, for I you. mean, just the door is there always open. <laughs> that would be the next podcast. <laughs> yeah. Well, thank you so much no for making the time. Thank to you guys over. for having me. And I know obviously your cookbook, uh, bringing, bringing it home is yeah. available everywhere. And season 16 of top chefs. 16. I know. On now. Nine, 16 seasons. How did that happen? And wow. you and just, we were six when we started making this show <laughs> and you had just had your baby. So you're only in it a few episodes. That's right. I think? I'm in an episode. Um, I was in an episode, the second episode, of the season. I was nine months pregnant. I gave birth three days later. Oh. So thank God they got that one in. Whoa. Literally. In I mean, or where were you? I was in New York. I was not okay. moving. I was they like, were in Kentucky. You... So it was actually really fun. We did this quick fire where the chefs had to sort of like meal delivery kit style, make a recipe, box it up. And they got it, put it on a plane. My friend Nilu, who filled in for me for the season, um, put them on her lap on a plane, <laughs> flew three hours to New York, oh came to my house and I finished the dishes there, tasted them and picked a winner, which was hilarious. I was Great so idea. big. I was oh. like, I mean, I was an Oompa Loompa. It's amazing. <laughs> like I, when the episode aired just a few months ago, you know, five, six months after I had shot, I was like, I can't believe you guys let me go on television like that. I was so, I mean, I was about to pop. I felt great, but it was fine. Um, and then I come back for an episode, um, towards the end of the season, which was really fun. Cause 
I could just kind of fly in for 24 hours and see the contestants and still be part of the season and catch up on everything that had happened, which was really great. And I'll be on next season. So yeah. Do you so know great. where you're going to be? We don't know okay. yet. Yeah. Surprise. We'll have to stay tuned. Oh, yes. Well, where can our listeners find you you're on your socials? I'm at Gail Simmons eats on Instagram and Gail Simmons, Twitter and Gail Simmons official on Facebook. Love. And you guys go out yes. and buy her cookbook because these brownies are insane. They're pretty yummy. They're so Thank you. good. I'm so glad. Thank you. My pleasure. <laughs> Thank you so much. I love good eaters. It's my pleasure. <laughs> wow, what a delight she is. She's delicious. I feel so full, not only emotionally and mentally, but also <laughs> because I've been eating her brownies. <laughs> <laughs> Which were also delicious. Oh my gosh, so good. Um, what did you take away from our sit down? Well, I think she had great advice for moms and it's something that I can take and implement at some point too, that she takes two days out of the week that she preps and cooks her meals. And then the rest of the time she can throw quick meals together and then spend most of her time being with the family. And I'm surprised that that was her answer. I really thought that she would have a completely different answer of like, Oh, I just love being in the kitchen. So for an hour, I'll whip something up while my husband's with the kids and then we'll all eat dinner together. But that's not the case. She was so real and so honest and raw. I just really enjoyed watching her talk and just all the love that was exuding from her because she really has such a passion for food. Watching her talk about food made me feel like I was back in Atlanta because that's how everyone talks about food there. Oh, wow. It's such a food driven city and it's what would bring like my friends and I there together so much would be a new restaurant or, you know, this new cocktail bar. And it wouldn't just be going there because other people have been like, cause it's sceny and cool. It's, oh my gosh, do you know a chef or do you know a waiter that works there so we can get in because mm -hmm. this f dinner is supposed to be phenomenal. Um, one of my favorite places in Atlanta is called Holman and Finch. And they just opened up a burger stand in Pont city market. Um, one, a few years back. But what used to be is you go to this restaurant, which was in Beck, which is in Buckhead still, and they would only give out 20 burgers a night. You know, I'm a burger fiend. I know. And they were rated the best burger in like America. And so you'd have to get there at six o'clock because when you sit down to your table is when you get to say, we want to order the burgers, even if they're not going to come out until 10 o'clock. So you're in it for, you're in it for a marathon and you can't just sit at the table, and not order anything. <laughs> so we went there as a group from six o'clock and eight till 10 o'clock. And we'd ordered like six of the burgers. And the best is they'd have this big dinner bell and just go burger time. Oh my gosh. And someone would walk through the restaurant just yelling burger time. And you would get these burgers and they were so good. And That's they had such these, an like, experience. It was such an experience together. It was such a celebration of food. I mean, even you guys all flew down for the chomp and stomp, yep. which is this chili festival. They have a 5k in the morning and all the money goes to the neighborhood. And then you can, you don't have to be a professional chef. You can enter, but it's all the top chefs in the city and all these people that live there open up their own like chili stands and it's this huge chili cook-off and it's 
amazing. It's, it's so my fun. favorite time of year. Going back to you guys at home and Finch really quickly, my visual was, <laughs> you know that episode of Friends where Joey has his Thanksgiving pants? Yes. I pictured all of you just going in your Thanksgiving pants to Holman and Finch. It was. Like, we all unbuttoned. I think, like, one of us got sick at the Like, we, we ate so much food. It was delicious. It was the best meal. Um, but, yeah, it, it, that's something that I'm, like, hearing her, hearing Gail talk about food made me realize that I want to find that more in L.A. Because L.A. Mm. is such a huge city. It's such a great food city. There's so many different cultures and different restaurants. I mean, you could go to a different restaurant every single day and good ones at that. And so I kind of want to find that here because sometimes I get so caught up in just hearing people talk about like kale and avocado toast, which I love both of those or like, you know, but there's more to life than there's that. There's so though. much more to life than that. And so it was refreshing to be like, Oh yeah. Like that's, I want, more of that. I think it's really cool too because no matter what city you live in, you can even create that in your home. That's one thing that's so cool about cooking is you can take a recipe, get the ingredients and make it and then share it with others. So LA has a great food scene, but even if you live in a place that doesn't, there's the possibility of creating that yourself. And um, I don't know, there's just something, I think you and I both have a mini love affair with food. And so yeah. having Gail on Today was really fun and a really cool way to um, learn about food. And and you and I are the same, too, when we travel. That is, like, a number one priority. 100%. Nothing makes me more upset than traveling somewhere and just picking a random restaurant. And I know that might sound snobby or ridiculous, but I do. I no, wanna... it's not that you need a nice restaurant. You just want to make no, sure you're have... spending your time in, in the place that will inspire you the most. And, yes. Yeah. If I'm going to go to any city, like when Joe was on the road, we would always research, like, where we'd want to go. And it wasn't about the most expensive or fancy place. It's just what is going to give us a feeling of like the soul of this city. Oh, that's phenomenal. Like, like even we were just talking about Pittsburgh, funny enough, the other day. And I was like, what is that one place in Pittsburgh? And there was like the, it's like, you just, it's like kind of a deli and you go and it's like the sandwich and then they put French fries on it. And he knew right away. And wow. it immediately brings us back to that whole day. And we're like, oh yeah. And the sun was out and we went walking around and then we found that coffee shop. And it's interesting how like memories can be also be so attached to meals yeah, and how those can stick with you forever. It really is true. Food is the soul of a city. Yeah, wow. it is. I love and that. then another thing I loved, which I kind of like, because you and I do love food so much, I think would be so much fun. I loved hear her hearing her talk about when she was writing her cookbook, how she, it kind of made her look at the recipes that she loved growing up mm -hmm. and the foods that she loves now and how those all collide. Yes. Together. And it made me want to kind of like ask my mom and ask my dad and ask other family members like, hey, what are these recipes that we've always had for years and years? And and then find the recipes that I like cooking now to see those similarities because they're they got to be there. I love that idea. It would be fun for you and I to even just spend a day in the kitchen and kind of come up with some fun things, too. I would love that. <laughs> I know. We like cooking together. We do. Let's do it. All right. Yeah. Done. Thank you guys for joining us today. We hope you loved Gail just as much as we did and are inspired to get in the kitchen and cook. Yep. Check out our socials at Candice Kayla. We'll have some recipes up. We'll have pictures up and get in the kitchen yourself. And maybe uh, you can learn something new about yourself and sit down around that table with your family. 
Dreaming of a beach vacation? Ooh, yeah. Get away to the sugar white sands and turquoise waters of Panama City Beach, Florida. Discover endless family fun, heart pounding thrills, eco adventures, and romance. Make it memorable. Make it yours. Plan your escape today at visitpanamacitybeach.com. Imagine ordering and chatting with doctors all online and getting birth control delivered right to your door every month. Enter Nurex, a company that's here to make getting birth control easier. Nurex means fewer doctor visits, skipping pharmacy lines, and automatic refills you don't have to think about. Plus, it's the most affordable option out there without insurance and could be free with insurance. Go to Nurex, that's N-U-R-X dot com slash challenged for a $20 credit. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com.